Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for hopeless people. We're on episode 7 and I am your host, Donna Scott, the stand-up comedian who has been made to sit down for quite a while by life, but is getting towards standing up again. Yay! How are you? I'm very well, thanks for asking. I've had a really good week this week. I know I've been promising you some interviews. I nearly got around to recording some interviews on Wednesday at my Northampton um, Science Fiction Writers Group, which is attended by some of the best names, uh, like Ian Waits and Paul Mellowish. You know, High Cross Paul Mellowish and Mark West and Andy West, not related. And we have a, a fantastic writing group that meets on the third Wednesday of the month in the beautiful village of Earls Barton. Do you know it? They Oh, it's fantastic. It has a, a Saxon church and it's got a, a museum dedicated to Jay's Fluid and there's all doll houses and stuff there as well. It's brilliant. I mean, it's a tiny place, but it's got those, like, Jay's Fluid Museum. Seriously. Oh, and it's the place where they filmed Kinky Boots. You know, the film Kinky Boots. You know what I say? It's Northampton. I hear it all the time. Kinky boots, kinky boots. We've got kinky boots. Northampton is just an ordinary chemist, guys. <laughs> just because you can buy ribbed condoms, fishnet stockings and adult nappies in it, that's not kinky. It's only kinky if you say to the cashier, don't bother wrapping, I'm going to wear them out of the store. But anyway, yeah, we have a brilliant writers group. It means if, if you are available on the third Wednesday of the month, and you're in the vicinity of Northampton and you'd like to join a writer's group, get in touch with me via the podcast and I'll tell you how you can you can join us. Join us if you want to. Yeah, so I'm kind of in charge of organising that now because we've had one member who's, who's left to go to Wales. Um, we've had two people recently moved to Wales. One's moved to Australia. One's moved to Sweden. So we, we need more people. <laughs> and a lovely bijou little writers group but it's good writers group Sarah Pinborough you know she used to be in our writers group Rod Reese Ian Watson oh my god who doesn't love Ian Watson he was in our writers group and I believe at one point Mark, Marco Gascoigne he went to the first meeting he told me that Marco Gascoigne of Games Workshop at the time and he, he then did Angry Robot it's got a good pedigree <laughs> like the two beautiful little Labradors that frequent the pub on the same night as we go Oh yeah, and Tim C. Taylor, he he used to come to our group as well. He of the military science fiction bestsellers. You know, we've we've we're a good group. But anyway, I've got conversations with those guys coming up on future podcasts. Now that I've worked out how to flipping work my flipping recorder, and I'm getting new adapters for my lapel mics because the ones I've got work on this machine, but not on my recorder. So yeah, I went this week, and it was my first week back after my operation so I had well I had to miss last month's meeting because I was still very poorly I only just come out of hospital and uh, it was brilliant and everyone was like oh my god you look so well and yeah I am I, I do feel really well um, I'm healing extremely well I even managed to go swimming last week which is great oh I've missed swimming the pool was flipping crowded oh, but I was very careful the way I was swimming this week so um at least I didn't swallow half the pool this time. Uh, I normally manage to. I don't know what's wrong with me. I was like half swimming, half drowning. I also managed to get in a bit of walking this week as well. 
And I thought a nice gentle walk would be just a stroll down the high street on Friday and just happened to coincide with um, Friday's school strike for the climate. I'd just like to say it right now. Greta Thunberg is not stealing my style and I'm not stealing hers. We're just both epic wearers of pigtails who like the planet. That's it. And I've been in a boat as well. I I used to be able to sail, um, but I used to sail myself all around Nantwich Boating Lake. But yeah, seeing as I wasn't at work this week, I was able to join some friends who um, were also going on the march. There was a few people, there there were some students there I know, some people from Arts Lab. Wave out to Jess Fowler and and Alistair Fruish, um, who I met on the march, and some people who came out of their offices for lunchtime, and quite a few doggos being walked, and very little kids as well. Not like the doggos. Although there was a doggo in a pram. That was quite cute. I was like, oh, oh, it's a dog. <laughs> and that was that one was right behind me. Um, and my friend Wayne came with his massive Vimarana Harvey. And we did the little march all down the high street. And like it drew quite a lot of attention. There were some people like looking at all the banners saying stop climate change. Oh, one of the nice one I saw was like saying, you will die of old age. I will die of climate change. I might not. I might not. I might not die of either of those things thank you very much but yeah there were all these people on the side of the street staring at us thinking what are you doing yeah it was like a march that was pretty much mostly older people even though it was a school strike because i think there's been a few of these school strikes now and i think there are fewer kids that are getting the the permission to sort of like release themselves from a day of education in in addition to the other times that they've been because i think you know once or twice is probably a lot and then a third time might be hang on you you do actually want to go to school yeah um but i think it was it's quite a lovely thing so i think it was the whole march was organized by eco march northampton and that is two sisters and their friend who are like 17 and 18 they all got up to do speeches at the end and it was it was fantastic i tried to record it but i, I couldn't really pick them up because they only had this tiny tiny pa you could only really hear it if you were like a couple of feet away from them but then some of the some of the politicians got up and, and they used the same equipment and they sounded fine <laughs> so i don't know what that was just louder voices i suppose but one of the schools laid on a bus as well and so at the end when all these when these girls were trying to do their speeches they they got drowned out by the chance of little kids who were coming off this school bus, waving their placards, thinking, we haven't, we've missed the chanting bit. I mean, we'd already done the chanting bit, to be fair, but they wanted to join in the chanting bit. And, you know, chanting is great. It makes you feel kind of like some kind of Trappist monk. <laughs> Where's my beer? <laughs> but I did record some sounds so you can tell what it was like to be part of the march. So this is what it sounds like on the march. And this is what it sounds like when I yell out something unhelpful. Come on, it's like a massive conga, you can join in! <laughs> and this is Councillor Gareth Eels saying his bit. There are sadly people who walk among us who 
still deny that this is an issue, that this is an emergency. And sadly, some of those people allegedly represent you in Parliament. Just look at fracking as an example of that. So that was my Friday. And then on Saturday, I decided to bake some Chelsea buns because I was travelling on a train and you need a good train picnic. Um, Yeah, where was I going on the train? I went on the train to Birmingham, uh, which is almost going back home for me. Um, But because the trains coming back from Birmingham to Northampton are so crappy and we had got tickets to, to see a show, we knew that if it finished after 10, we'd be way too rushed to get back to the train to come back to Northampton. So I made a whole weekend of it. I thought, sod it, holiday in Birmingham. So we got the train to Birmingham on Saturday afternoon and went to go and see the fabulous Eddie Izzard. Yeah, we did. And it was brilliant. So I've got to tell you about the train journey, first of all. Now, anyone knows me, I love trains. I love doing a train picnic. I get very excited when there's this special train pulls up in Northampton Station and it's like got it's like I think it must be like 1930s carriages and like a an old I think it's like a steam there's like a diesel engine and there's like a steam engine that comes sometimes but it's the diesel engine really old diesel engine and you can have like dining experiences on this train but we weren't on that one this time we were on a, we were on a plain old London Northwestern Midlands thing whatever they're called these days. I forget the name of the company. And they haven't even got tables. And they've got Wi-Fi, but it doesn't bloody work. <laughs> it says you're connected. It shows you things you can watch while you're online. But can can you post to Facebook and do things? No, you can, you can click like on a Facebook post. That's about it. It's a bit pants. So I thought what I'll do, instead of going on social media, is I'll get a magazine from WH Smith to read on the train and what I tend to do with these I tend to go straight to the book review section see if I know anybody in SFX or sci-fi now and this month I recognised there was a feature on RJ Barker so RJ Barker um, he wrote the fabulous Wounded Kingdoms trilogy and I haven't finished the last book yet I flipping love that those books (laughs) So I'm kind of putting off reading the last book because I don't want to know how it ends in a way. But he's brought out this new trilogy called The Bone Ships and they look pretty good now. Third, he's, The second book's just come out. He's, I think he's written the third book and that's or he's writing the third book. Yeah, well, I know RJ. Basically, RJ was the first person to ever publish me and he's a crazy goth guy with long curly hair and he's obsessed with stags and skulls and things that antlers. Uh, and I, I always used to think he was a taxidermist. He's not. He likes dead stuffed things, but he doesn't do the deading or the stuffing. <laughs> so anyway, I'm on the train and I am engrossed in sci-fi now. Wasn't until after Coventry that my husband said something like, oh my god, he was really weird, wasn't he? And I hadn't even noticed but apparently there was this guy sitting opposite us and I was like leaning into my magazine and first of all apparently he was like leaning his legs over so that they were nearly touching mine and then he 
started shuffling over and like leaning over towards me and it, but I didn't notice because I was too busy reading <laughs> but apparently then he got to Coventry or something like that I don't know if it's Coventry or one of the stations after that and then realised where he was and then just darted off the train <laughs> like he'd had an electric shock just about just before the train was about to leave again <laughs> so I didn't even notice that what can I say now it's a good sci-fi now this month Although £5.25, flipping it, I could have bought a book for that. <laughs> I could have bought the flipping bone ships for that. So yeah, then we made it to Birmingham and we were staying in the Holiday Inn Express, which Birmingham has made very, very helpful to people staying at the Holiday Inn Express by putting a Holiday Inn also in Birmingham, about 10 minutes away from it. <laughs> so yeah, we went to the wrong one first. But what was good about it is it also enabled us to locate the bearings of where the Alexandra Theatre was so that we could go there later. So what did I think of Eddie's show? Oh, it's amazing. Um, had a fantastic night at the Alexandra Theatre. Um, it's been a long, long time since I've been there. It's a lovely venue. Um, I think half of Birmingham's comedians have worked there at some point or other. I think it's like mandatory, like jury duty or something. It was also kind of a little bit strange for me because I decided not to drink at the beginning of the night. I mean, I did drink for the first time in six weeks on Saturday, um, but I decided to do the show completely sober. And that's been a while for me. I don't think I've been to a thing sober completely before. And it's great because you, you enables you to basically take more in. <laughs> I mean, that sounds kind of obvious, doesn't it? But I was able to really appreciate Eddie's show. And also, I kind of like put myself in his shoes a bit and just thought, oh, he's doing this now, doing that now. So a bit of the old comedians thing like kicked in where you're sort of doing a half watching and appreciating half analysis of the thing as well um, I had such a, a fantastic time although I have to say I'm so so brave I am so brave because when I booked these tickets I thought oh my god they're absolute bargains do you know where we were sitting the very last row in the grand upper circle we were behind the spotlights that is basically like trying to sit on a cliff on, on on the cliffs of Dover and watch Eddie Izzard on the beach. <laughs> he was so far away, but it was fantastic. And I, you know, I'd feel extremely brave doing that. I mean, I think there was a few people in the interval decided, fuck it, I'm not going to back, go back up to those seats. And they stayed and watched from behind the balcony on the first level of the Grand Circle rather than go up to the gods. <laughs> I don't blame them. Well, it was a, it's a great show. So what did he talk about? He talks about all things. He talks about um, the... He says, this, this show is going to cover for everything from the the Big Bang in this universe to last Tuesday. And it is an awful lot of stuff. And he has this great turn of phrase and he harks back to some of his old stuff as well. And it's brilliantly, he's conversational not with the audience but with himself <laughs> and 
it's it's classic Eddie, I think. Because I've seen some of his more recent shows. I think this is kind of like going back to where the power of, say, like, sexy and circle is very, very much there. And he has a, a really cool catchphrase for for this show as well, which he's put on a hat. Make humanity great again. And I think what's going to be great, hope, hopefully people will get to go and see this show wherever you are and just appreciate just, just the loveliness of comedy because I know a lot of my friends are very into their edgy comedians at the moment, their American comics but I think Eddie just shows that what you can do is you've got a little bit of power of positivity about you and I, I felt inspired, really inspired if you can go and see him, go and see him because I fear this could be the last time he does a tour because he said that no, the next time round he's not going to be a comedian anymore he's gonna quit to become an MP so if he gets elected that's no that's no more Eddie Izzard on tour so you should go and see him now if you can if he's if he's not sold out near you and then after the show we were so jammy because we decided to skip next door and go to the Victoria uh, it's got like pictures on the walls of Dave Grohl <laughs> but the music was terrible on Saturday night. It was just some R&B shizzle um, from about the early 2000s. So not not really fitting the kind of clientele that go in there. It's nice to remember when I did gigs in the Victoria, because I have. I did a gig with Sarah Millican in the Victoria. James Cook booked us. That was nice, I remember that. And I've been there to see my friend in her band there. In fact, I was in Birmingham and I didn't see anybody I recognised and it felt really weird because I feel like a lot of people from the West Midlands would have gone to see Eddie Izzard <laughs> and I should know some of the people in the audience, I just feel that. But I didn't see anybody I knew. Doesn't mean so they weren't there. Why we were really jammy was, yeah, we went into the Victoria to have a drink and there I decided to have a red wine, which is my first drink in six weeks. And then we have had that red wine and we came out of the door and there's a queue outside the Alexandra and it's people getting photos and autographs with Eddie Izzard himself. And so we joined that queue and there's only about five people left in it. But oh my God, he's so sweet. Sweet and lovely. And he took a picture and he signed our tickets and it was lovely. And I should, probably should have finished the night there and just gone gone back to the hotel on the high. But we decided that we would stay out for one more drink. And I went to Brewdog. I don't know why we went to Brewdog. I mean, because it, it's attractive. But it's London prices, isn't it? It's London beer at London prices. So we only had one. And after that, I decided... Well, I had red wine, by the way. Cause also, I like when you go into Brewdog because it's really loud and you have to shout your order you can basically point towards the beer on the big billboard behind them so that they don't really have to hear you and then if you want a red wine you've just got to say red wine and red wine is what you get <laughs> they have no choice it's just a red wine <laughs> but it's nice red wine so I had my two glasses of red wine and I feel that that kind of tipped me over the edge from pleasantness to Oh, you're going to be in agony all night. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be a drinker anymore. That sounds weird, doesn't it? it sounds, 
one of the times I have had with alcohol. Alcohol, you have been my friend. But no more. You are not my friend. We are allergic to you. <laughs> we can't, we can't drink you anymore. I'm so sad. Maybe in the future. It's not a forever, I'm pretty sure, but the next few months, I'm probably not going to be drinking. <laughs> So the next day, of course, full day in Birmingham, Birmingham on holiday. It started to drizzle slightly and we got no umbrella. <laughs> yeah, so we decided that we would go to the museum because you can't go to Birmingham and not go and see the Paraphrolites, can you? I mean, good grief. Are you even human? It's Paraphrolites and Wardian tea rooms. That is what you have to do in Birmingham. A lot of Brum is now under development because the floozy and the jacuzzi has been repaired and also they're extending the tram lines they're going past like the town hall now and into up broad streets and so we went the wrong way we found ourselves walking across the construction site just behind the town hall and there's nothing to stop you and no one to stop you and we followed these guys who were heading that way and they looked really confident like they knew where they were going and we were right behind them and they got told off and turned round when they got to the town hall. So we turned round and came back all the way to walk all the way round again. And as we were walking down, there was two girls walking up towards us and they were going to go the same way. I mean, there was no way over the road or anything. You couldn't get anywhere else apart from into that construction site. So we said to them, hey, we've just been turned round. You can't get that way. And they just looked at us and we explained it again and then they just nodded and they carried on. And I thought, what can you do? We've told them. <laughs> so yeah, we went round. Went on round the back way, round the gas hallway to the museum. And I'm so glad we did because we might have missed it otherwise. But there was a flipping Black Sabbath exhibition on, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh God, I recommend it so much. Um, it's only on until the 26th so if you're in Birmingham area get there it's brilliant it's not free it's 12 quid but it was it was worth it <laughs> when you enter the the exhibition you get the opportunity to do a selfie in front of a giant gold black sabbath display and then you can walk around there's like films there's interactive interviews there's newspaper articles all over the, the wall explaining their childhood, how they grew up in Aston when it was bombed out. You know, how they all got together and the different bands they'd been in. Tony Iommi's terrible accident where he lost his, the tips of his two fingers. I have to say, I think I found this exhibition quite inspirational as well. Because it was about these four working class lads. As you read their potted biographies, it's not about, oh, despite our origins we became famous and that you know everybody around them expected them to go work in factories or whatever because you know they were working in factories most of them but it wasn't a case of like this is where you're from this is where you've got to remain that there was aspiration there there was drive there was ambition there was education the thing is geezer butler he was he started a, a job as an accountant it's just that he couldn't really do it and maintain his rock look <laughs> hey we've all been there and it covers their musical period as well from their origins in 68 to 78 with a little bit I think about how Ozzy Osbourne had his own solo career after that but not too much about that at all 
So it's just really about that that primary Black Sabbath period. Oh, but there is also a brilliant section in the exhibition dedicated to the fans of Black Sabbath. You know, the proper ones who've been to see them live and everything. And, oh, there's some fantastic fan art. <laughs> and there's also some not so fantastic fan art, I must say. Thanks, guys, for lending your work to the exhibition. Um, oh, I really, really like this picture, though. There's a, there's a picture somebody has painted of members of Black Sabbath as medieval knights on horses but they've drawn them kind of really big they're like a little bit kind of like pony shaped but massive and i could just imagine sort of like the other members of black sabbath on their horses saying we need a really fat os for ozzy because <laughs> his, his horse is really big <laughs> thing is though you wouldn't really need a, a big fat horse for Ozzy Osbourne because his clothes are in the exhibition and I've got to tell you he is tiny there's some of his old clothes in there from that look kind of Elvis-ish with their sort of like Diamante sewn on those sequins and the waist oh my god it's so tiny <laughs> I suppose that's drugs um, and then there's a his coat from his later tours in there as well yeah, the, the very gothy looking one and that's still quite small even though we all know that you know people put on a bit as they age um, but yeah tiny Ozzy Osbourne I don't mean height wise I mean it might be height wise I can't tell I am too short to tell if people other people are short but yeah the fan art was quite aspirational as well it, and it had really positive things to say about fans of not only their group but of of metal and how people sort of like get together and create and collect things and the community that that can thrive around that kind of thing and we see that not only in music but we see it in science fiction we see it in comics we see it in all sorts of things it's great to be a fan they're basically saying i can't not agree another brilliant thing about the exhibition was it seemed to be staffed by real enthusiasts. So this woman, who's one of the guides, came up to me and we were watching the film of one of their more recent concerts. And, I mean, it caught my eye because I thought David Trent was in it. <laughs> there was a guy who looked just like him in the film. And she came and stood next to me then and she said, oh, I could watch this a million times. I have watched this a million times. Even though I was actually there, she said. And that was like, I think, a little brag she did to me before she skipped off again and helped somebody else with one of their inquiries. So, yeah, went to see that. Then, of course, I popped upstairs to see my paraphylites. And then we popped down to the Edwardian Tea Room and had some carrot cake. Because you can't not have carrot cake in Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery. It has to be done. The Lucifer statue it, that is very famous at Birmingham Art Gallery is now in the hallway as you come in because it used to be in the Edwardian tea rooms but some old ladies complained about it because he has a massive knob and it's not fig leafed <laughs> imagine staring I, I, could, I, I couldn't eat my cucumber sandwiches I couldn't keep my old grey down <laughs> so it was a very brummagem day we did walk past the BBC studio in the mailbox on the way back to the hotel um, and they have a little mini exhibition on there of the Peaky Blinders so they have all the clothes on display and some fan, fan arts there as well uh, people have drawn pictures of Tommy Tommy Shelby and Arthur yeah so that's quite quite sweet 
they have some really nice threads so very much a brummagem day went back home and watched the finale of Peaky Blinders it's good wasn't it if you've not seen it I don't want to spoil it for you but I would say that my favourite characters in that are Alfie played by Tom Hardy I just love his character it's just so mad and oh, I like I like Polly she's great and I like Yabba Dabba Doo who is the what is it Ab- Abadiah Gold but they keep going Abba Dabba Doo <laughs> Abba Dabba's Abba Dabba's been fighting <laughs> I mean if that was his name I, I, if I was them I would I would call him Abba Dabba as well do you believe as well my husband's family had some association with the genuine Peaky Blinders because they came from that area of Birmingham that they all started in and of course it's now hugely fictional so whatever the origins were and the street gangs and whatever in the series they've all gone to sort of like grander things and get involved in local politics and history and spying so yeah it's it's not real anymore but it's very good oh it's on on the edge of your seat stuff but now we've got to wait two years for the next episode blimey heck what do they think they are doctor who Anyway, talking about the Beeb, I had a little bit of news. You know that last week I included some jokes and some sketches on here that I had sent in to BBC's Newsjack and they'd all got rejected, so I shared them here with you. Well, I got an email to say that my next lot of submissions were a bit more successful. I had a joke that made the recording, or maybe a sketch, I don't know, and it got cut. Uh, I don't think it would be the sketch because my sketch as you'll hear is on the same subject matter as another sketch that did make the show so they wouldn't do two sketches on the same subject matter I don't think. So I'm thinking it could be one of my one-liners but I don't know which one. I have written to them to ask. Last time this happened they they do tell you what you had recorded but I know that from my online writing community as I call them there were some delays in getting the information over to people so a lot of people who had stuff rejected or the nearly emails as we call them at the last minute we all had the email but somebody actually made the show and their name was on the credits at the end but they weren't told by email until the next day which is very strange so anyway, I'm going to share my, my jokes with you again this week. As I say, like this is a bit of an impetus for me to try to not be crap. So, you know, not just to try and make it the numbers and try and actually do jokes that are funny. Uh, you might, might find them more successful than Newsjack did, or you may not. So once again, the jokes are in two sections. That's one-liners of called Breaking News and a section called Good Week, Bad Week. I'm more fond of doing one-liners than that I am of doing good week, bad week. And you can probably tell that in the quality of my content. But you're only allowed to submit a maximum of three of each. So I did have some that I rejected from my from my pile. And I'm not going to bother sharing those with you because it's good to have them. But, you know, I think these are probably the best that I've got. So anyway, here are my one-liners. Breaking news. After 30 years, Snickers bars are having their name changed back to Marathon, giving Eddie Izzard 
the perfect excuse to eat 43 of them. Sarah Thomas has become the first person to swim the channel four times non-stop. But she shouldn't get too smug, she only swam wits. The Irish government is appealing against an EU court decision to recover 13 billion euros in unpaid tax from tech giant Apple. You won't squeeze that much out of Apple, said an expert insider. And here are my good weeks, bad weeks. It's been a bad week for Blenheim Palace after a heavy solid gold toilet was stolen from them, presumably by more than one thief. It's been a good week for Donald Trump and Nigel Farage, as this time a two-man lift gold jobby is nothing to do with them. It's been a good week for fans of thrash metal and beer, as Megadeth have launched a Belgian-style beer called Cezanne 13. It's been a bad week for Boris Johnson, who went directly to Belgium and only got booze. It's been a good week for Billy the Bichon Frise, saved by vets after eating cannabis, which is normally smoked by humans. It's been a bad week for some young farmers from Leighton Buzzard, after arsonists smoked their hay bale sculpture of a dog and made it go woof. See, I'm not saying that that was a terrible third one, but I don't think the third one would be the one that was picked. If it was, oh my god, what are they doing? <laughs> and my first good week, bad week as well. There have been other gold lift jokes on the forum, so I think they may have had a few of those. None, none of them were picked, but <laughs> they probably just thought, no, 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 <laughs> too obvious. I quite like my second good week, bad week, though, the one about Boris Johnson's booze. And I think I like all of my breaking news ones. But I know that the Sarah Thomas one that they picked was one about Sarah Thomas being used as an alternative uh, for exports after Brexit, which I think a few people did come up with. And that's kind of what I did think of something that, along that line, but I thought I'd avoid it because it does seem a bit too obvious and the first thing you think of. So maybe they read that one and decided not to pick it because they already had one about her. Could be that. So anyway, now time for my sketch. This week, four years after his unofficial biography, David Cameron has released his memoirs about being PM titled For the Record, disappointing all those who expected a sequel, Babe 2, Pig in the City. Poor Dave. He just wants to let us know how he feels. But one headline about smoking pot at Eton and we are so not bothered. So he doesn't much like Michael Gove. Where's the twist? And it turns out Cameron's memoir is not even close to being the hot book of the week, now that Margaret Atwood's much-anticipated sequel to The Handmaid's Tale is out. So what can he do now to get us interested? And now, on Radio 4, our book at bedtime is The Testaments by... Hang on, the name's been scratched out and pencilled back in. By David Cameron? Is this on? And I'm live... Oh, great. Yes. This is me, David Cameron. Call me Dave. Though, of course, in the years following the referendum, I had no name of my own anymore. I was known as Of Remain. In the Republic of Brexit, he had, I had no voice for three and a half long years. I was no longer permitted to read, not because it would break any laws. Just, there were a lot of people calling me an idiot, and Sam thought it would upset me. Occasionally, I would go to my room, 
where someone had scribbled, Nonite Bestardis Carborundorum on the wall. And I took comfort from that, even though it was in Latin, so it was probably written by Jacob Rees-Mogg, and he's sodding well one of them. All around me, the way people spoke to each other changed. We didn't say hello anymore, but blessed be the fruit. To be answered, may the Dover Calais port for fruit and veggie imports stay open. And we said under his eye to mean any young women who'd gone to work in Boris Johnson's office. But as of remain, I could never bring myself to utter the whole leave mantra. Praise be Brexit. What have I been doing since I was PM? Well, I've stayed at home with the kids, mainly occupying myself with making bread, which I love, though you get through it quickly. After three days, shop-bought bread is fine, but the handmaid's stale. Well, that's quite enough of that. Tune in next week, where the book at bedtime will be another of this year's Booker Prize shortlisted novels. Ten minutes, thirty-eight seconds in this strange world, by the remaining members of Change UK. So, yeah, that was my sketch. Now, I do quite like my sketch, but I think they went with a sketch idea for David Cameron's book that was really well done and it involved a lot more dialogue and different people speaking, which would have been more fun for the cast to do, even though it was based on Harry Potter, which I think has been done like a million times. But what I've learned from that is maybe go for the obvious cliche. I mean the obvious joke about um, the Channel Swim was the one that they picked and the obvious book to compare all books to for popularity was picked in the sketch ideas. So, you know, maybe maybe I'm a little trying to go a little bit too outre in this regard. So, it's the end of another podcast. I think I've written on for quite a while with this one, just enthusing about things. So this week's aspirational stuff is about being a fan, I think. Go and create go and create your fan art. It's appreciated by all the creators who create the original material and you can then be inspired to go off and do your own thing, just like Black Sabbath were by the people that they followed. The musicians, the writers, the films. Good things can come out of heavy industry. And also, I'd like to finish by saying we should all listen to Eddie Izzard's new mantra, let's all make humanity great again. If you've liked this podcast, please do share it with all your friends. I'd love to see your five star and four star reviews on iTunes as well. That'd be great. So this is me, Donna Scott, now signing out.